Thank you for taking time to listen to this sermon from Hope Church Toronto North. It is our prayer that through this message, you are challenged and encouraged by the Word of God and grow in your love for God and love for others. It is God's desire for us to be members of and regularly participate in a local church under the care of qualified elders. If you are not attending a local church right now, we encourage you to take that step. If you do live in the North York area and are looking for a local church, we invite you to visit us at one of our Sunday morning gatherings to discern if this is the church God is leading you to. Father, we thank you, Lord God, for your goodness, your faithfulness to us, Lord. God, I pray that as we have been singing these songs, we would be remembering all the ways that you have been good and have been kind to us. Lord, I pray uh, for those who may be singing those songs. A song like that can be tough because it doesn't always feel like that's the reality. Lord God, that you would comfort them right now that you would help them right now, Lord God, that you would make us aware of one another. And if we see someone, Lord, that needs that reminder of the comfort of Christ, that we would speak to them, that we would minister to them before we leave today. Lord, we are a family. We praise you for that. And we ask, Lord God, that as we hear from the word right now, that we would see that this is another way, Lord God, that you are faithful to us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Parents, if you've got kids signed into Hope Kids, Brother Jermaine is at the back. Just send them off to him and he'll take them uh, downstairs. So our passage today is Luke 12. We are going from verses 49 to 13, verse 9. So when you have it, you can say amen. Luke, Luke 12. I'm waiting. When you have it, say Amen. When you have it, say amen. Amen. All right. Amen. Now, Jesus said said some surprising things to people. You know, he's with the disciples, and he turns to them, and they're traveling, and he says, I'm about to go away. And they're like, what? We want you to stay with us forever. And Jesus says, no, it's better for you if I go away. And then he's with Peter, and Peter looks at him, he says, he says, Lord, I will never betray you. And he looks at Peter, and he's like, Peter, in a couple minutes, you're going to act like we never met. Jesus says surprising things, but anytime he says something that is surprising, it's always to help you and not to hurt you. And in our text today, our brother is at it again. See, Jesus is the kind of Brother who tells you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear. We live in a culture where people are always telling you what you want to hear, and that doesn't help you. Jesus tells you what you need to hear because he wants to help you. It says this in verse 49 of chapter 12. I came to bring fire on the earth, and how I wish it was already set ablaze. But I have a baptism to undergo and how it consumes me until it is finished. Do you think that I came to bring peace on earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. 
From now on, five in one household will be divided, three against two and two against three. They will be divided, father against son, son against father, mother against daughter, daughter against mother, mother mother-in-law against daughter-in-law, and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. This word here, fire, that Jesus uses speaks of purification, that Jesus came to purify the world, to make the evil that we see Right, and look what he says in verse 49. He says, and how I wish it was already set ablaze. He actually really wants it to happen. Jesus wants this world to be restored and renewed. But before that, there is a process to things. Verse 50 says, but I have a baptism to undergo. That word baptism is talking about, it's a reference to his death. Jesus is going to give his life so you and I have an opportunity at life. He says, that has to happen first. And watch, he says, how it consumes me until it's finished. See, Jesus was very focused at his job. This, this is another one of these spots where Jesus gives you his mission statement. He was focused on what he came to do. He says, how it consumes me. You couldn't bump Jesus off of what he came to do. And the Spirit says that there is a word here for us. See, because sometimes you're at your job, and you know what you're doing? You're daydreaming about another job. Sometimes you're at your job, and you're wishing you had somebody else's job. Sometimes you're at your job, and you're upset with the people at your job. You know that coworker that gets on your nerves, thinks it's their job to tell you how to do your job? See, when those things are going on with you, what it stops you, it stops you from being focused and faithful. Right? God wants us to be focused at our, at our jobs, honoring him, working at, at the thing he has given us to do. Now, here's what I'm not saying. I'm not saying you should never look for another job if you need one. I'm not saying that. What I am saying is, while you're at the work where God has placed you, do the job well. Work hard until God moves you somewhere else. Now, Jesus uses the word division three times. Notice it? Division, verse 51. Then verse 52, divided. Then verse 52, sorry, verse 53, divided. He says, that's because the gospel can divide families. And that's because some people in the family embrace Jesus and some people in the family reject Jesus. And notice he gives you every combination. You see it? He leaves nothing out. Father against son, mother against daughter, in-law against in-law. He's like, I want you to know it's everybody. See, Jesus gives us a surprising word, but it's a needed word because it tells us that choosing Jesus might bring strife. It's a true reality. Now you just just picture, use your imagination. The disciples hear all this and they're like, Jesus, really? Really? And they may be a little bit discouraged by what they're hearing. And Jesus looks at them and he says, yes, this is true. But there is no one who has left brother or sister, parent or children because of the kingdom of God who will not receive many times more. At this time, an eternal life in the age to come. I'm going to say what you already know. Following Jesus has a cost. 
Let me say what you also already know, but there is a great reward coming. And in this this little reference that I gave you, which comes up later in Luke, there's two rewards Jesus promises. One is a present reward, one is a future one. And the first one is you get this eternal promise that you're going to get eternal life when you choose to make the sacrifice. But then he also says you get a church family. That you will gain brother, look around, all right? These aren't just the people you go to church with. They're the people you're going to be in eternity. You better start getting along then. Right? I'm not going to be able to dodge Max, right, in heaven. I'm not feeling that brother today. Mm -mm. Church, family. And when somebody chooses Jesus and loses family, we have to be, because that's a real reality. We have to be ready to be family to them. Right? Church is a family. Now, let me tell you what you already know. I'm doing this a lot today. It's not always smooth in the church family, right? Come on. I wish somebody wanted to say amen. Right? It's not always what? Like 112 says, not always peaches and cream. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes life is, church family can be hard, and we have to talk to each other in those tough times. We have to listen to each other in those tough times. We have to be willing to forgive one another. Again, that's going to come up in Luke, in tough times. We have to be patient with one another in tough times. I heard somebody say this, patience is love in slow motion. A bunch of you are going to write that somewhere, right? I, I underlined it in the book. I was, I was like, oh, yeah, that's going in the sermon. Patience is love in slow motion. And here's the thing. How we respond as a church family when the waters get choppy, it tells you if the love that we're saying we have is real or if it's just all talk. It's not always easy, but we work it out. He also said to the crowds, when you see, this is verse 54, clouds rising in the west, right away you say a storm is coming, and so it does. And when the south wind blows, you say it's going to be hot, and, he said, and, and it is. Hypocrites, you know how to interpret the appearance of the sky, but you don't know how to interpret the present time. Why don't you judge for yourselves what is right? As you are going with your adversary, the, the ruler, to the ruler, make every effort to settle with him on the way. Then he won't drag you before the judge. The judge hand you over to the bailiff, and the bailiff throw you into prison. I tell you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. Jesus looks now at the crowds, and he says, you know how to, you know how to tell the weather. You know how to, to interpret the natural signs, but you do not know how to interpret the heavenly signs. Remember, what's going on here is they're actively rejecting Jesus. And he's saying, you cannot, you cannot see what God is doing. You cannot see that through my ministry, I am preaching and I'm healing people. And that should tell you that the kingdom has come, but you cannot see what's happening in the present moment. You are actively Choosing to reject me. Jesus is saying to them, in me, God is doing something special. The world will never be the same since I have come. And then he says in verse 57, judge for yourself what is right. And what he's doing there is he's giving them a chance. 
to acknowledge and accept what God is doing. And then he calls them hypocrites. Remember I told you, Jesus tells you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear. He calls them hypocrites because Jesus is trying to shock and wake them up because their life is on the line. Here's what you got to know, and you probably know this already when you read your Bible. Jesus cares about people. Jesus cares about you. That's why Jesus is the person who's willing to speak the truth in love, tells you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear, because your life is on the line. And so he speaks. Now, I'm not going to lie to you. When I first read this, when you look at it, I was like, oh, Jesus is telling us we got to get right with people in our lives. This is, this is about fixing broken relationships. I was wrong on that. What this text is telling you is that you are accountable to God. Right, Brother Yoke? The judge represents God. And the judge can put you into prison forever. And so can God. You're like, show me. Say, show me, Marv. Say, show me, Marv. All right. You asked for it. Look at verse 5. But Go back to chapter 12, verse 5. But I will show you the one to fear. The one, fear him who has authority to throw people into hell after death. Yes, I say to you, this is the one to fear. Sometimes people say, oh, Jesus, he, just, he never said anything hard to anybody. I'm like, you've never read your Bible. Because he's willing to give a hard word. And he says, this is the one to fear who has this level of authority. Jesus here is looking at the crowds and he's saying, you are accountable to God. He gives a surprising word, but it's a needed word because it tells you that the time to get right with God is now. And you do it by embracing Jesus. Here's the thing, because Jesus paid a debt that we could never pay. We owed a debt we could never pay, and he paid it for us. That's why we sing. Jesus paid it what? All, All to him I Oh, he paid that debt for you and me. And when you embrace Jesus, what you get is an advocate before the Father. That's what the Bible says. And when you reject Jesus, though, you face the judge alone. And nobody wants that. Jesus doesn't want that for anyone. That's why he says what he says next. Verse 1 of chapter 13. At the time, some people came and reported to him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. And he responded to them, do you think that these Galileans were more sinful than the other Gal Galileans because they suffered these things? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will perish as well. Or those 18 that the tower in Siloam fell on and killed, do you think they were more sinful than all the other people who lived in Jerusalem? No. I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all perish as well. A surprising word, but a needed word. And what Jesus says here tells you some things about life 
and about people. Follow me here. Sometimes people in government use their power in evil ways. I'm going to say it again because it's true. Yeah. Sometimes. So, yeah. <laughs> Y'all are thinking about the last couple of years. Sometimes. People in government use their power in evil ways. Notice it says, Pilate mixed the blood of the Galileans with their sacrifices. What this tells you is that this man abused his power and murdered people. And when political leaders abuse their power, you and me should respectfully, that's the key thing, and wisely, the other key thing, say it and vote against them. We have a responsibility as citizens. You should work through our justice system to get them removed from office if they broke the law. Again, responsibility. And here's another one that might surprise you. You should ask God if maybe he's asking you to pray about pursuing some sort of office like that. Where you, following Jesus Christ, can have a healthy and positive influence because you're living and ruling by the word of God. See, if you read your Bible, what you see is that God tells you that you have to respect those in office and respect the office. But God never tells you that you have to condone evil character and evil actions, ever, as a people, never. And so we want to be balanced. Here's this other one. Disaster can strike out of nowhere and take lives. It says the tower in Siloam just fell on 18 people and killed them out of nowhere. Tragedy surrounds us on every side. We live in a world where pain and suffering is very real. And so here's the thing. I want to give you three things. Treat people well. Don't take people in your life for granted. If you've got a, here's where this can now applies. If you've got a broken relationship in your life, fix it. Work to make it right because people can be here today and gone tomorrow. Plan, but always plan to pivot. Why? Because you do not know what tomorrow will bring. That's why. Remember the guy last week? I was like, what did he not say? He never said, Lord willing. You do not know what tomorrow will bring. Plan and plan to pivot. The other one is start and finish every day giving thanks. Because when you opened your eyes, that was because of God. And when you got home from all and through all that traffic and all that sort of stuff, it's because God got you home. And so you give him thanks, you give him praise because he is the one who sustains us in everything. We open our eyes giving thanks. We close our eyes giving thanks, asking God, I know you are the one who is truly sovereign. I know you are the one who is over all things. I know you are the one who has written all my days in your books. I know that you are the one who is going to sustain me. And so I'm saying to you before I close my eyes, I trust you. And when I open my eyes, I'm ready again to trust you because if I made it through the day, it's all because of you, God. This other one. Three things. Every person in the world is sinful. Verse 2, he says, Do you think these Galileans were more sinful for, than all other Galileans? And then in verse 4, he says, 
or those 18 were more sinful than all other people in Jerusalem. See, what is going on here is that in that culture, people thought that if tragedy struck you out of nowhere, what it meant was that you had some secret or hidden sin in your life and that God was just punishing you. That's how Job's friends thought. You ever read, worst friends, in, I say it every time they come up, terrible friends, not the kind of brethren you want. And Jesus looks at him and he says, no, 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 no. You are looking and thinking about this the wrong way. He's saying, you're, you're seeing, you got the wrong lens on. You got to put some different glasses on. He says, what you need to see from these two, two tragic things that happen is that you need to see how fragile, fragile life is. You need to see that death comes to all. And that if you die without repenting, you will perish. Tells you what you need to hear not what you want to hear. The word perish here, he says it twice. Look, he says in verse three, no, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will perish as well. Verse five, but unless you repent, you will perish as well. The word perish is talking about the second death, where you are separated from God for all eternity. And the fact that he repeats it tells you how serious it is and tells you how much Jesus wants those in the crowd to come to him because he doesn't want them to lose their life. It's a surprising word, but it's a needed word But because it tells us how important it is to repent now. See, when you repent, what you're saying is, for the first time, what you're saying is, God, I'm done hurting myself. When you repent, you're saying, God, I'm done, I'm done hurting other people with my sin. God, I'm done following my own wisdom for living. God, I, I, am, I am ready now to live and follow your wisdom. Even though that might make my life harder, even though that might make some people in my family choose not to want anything to do with me, I am no longer going to live for myself. I'm going to live for you and follow what you say, knowing and believing that is going to bring good results. And you need to understand here, God gives people a chance to repent because he's merciful. We have a merciful God. Turn to somebody and tell them, God's merciful. Come on. Tell them, lift your voice. He's merciful. And tell them, Marv's going to show us. Tell them. Tell them. Tell them. That Marv's going to show us. Yeah, and I'm going to show you. Look, verse 6, and he told this parable. A man had a fig tree that was planted in a vineyard. He came looking for fruit on it and found none. He told the vineyard worker, listen, for three years I came looking for fruit on this fig tree and I found, haven't found any. Cut it down. So he plants this tree and the tree is not doing what it's supposed to. It's supposed to be bearing fruit. Now, here's what we've got to know. The tree represents people. And the fruit that, the, that God comes looking for is the fruit of repentance. 
But notice the tree is not doing what it's supposed to do. There's no fruit. So the guy's like, let's just get rid of this thing. It's wasting my soil. Watch verse 8. But he replied to him, sir, leave it this year also until I dig around it and fertilize it. Why? Perhaps it will produce fruit next year. But if not, you can cut it down. This is a parable about the patience of God. 2 Peter 3.9 says, The Lord is, pati- is, not, is patient, not wanting any to perish, but all to re- reach repentance. God is patient. He gives us a chance to repent. If we're standing outside of the faith right now, if you know deep down that you're not truly following Jesus Christ, you need to understand God is being patient with you. God is giving you an opportunity to truly repent and come to him. But here's what I want you to know. Here's what God brought me today to say to you. The door of repentance is not open forever. Watch in the text. Read your Bible well. The tree only has a year. And if there is no fruit, he says, then cut it down. We have to, as believers, to have to have the courage to look at people and to say, you need, if you're not in Christ, you're not following the Jesus I'm following. There's some division between us because of that, but I need you to understand that I love you enough to tell you that today is the day that you need to actually repent and trust God because that door, that opportunity will not be there forever. God could come or you could die. And without Jesus, you're in front of the judge alone. Jesus tells you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear because he cares about you and he loves you and wants you to be in a right relationship with God. We encourage people to repent. But here's the other thing never to forget. Christians stay repenting. Yeah, don't leave me up here. We stay repenting. Because I don't know if you've checked lately, but you haven't arrived. Right? Sometimes I'm like, I'm I'm in a good spot. I'm singing, I'm praying, all that kind of stuff. And then it's like, poof, right off the cliff. Like, what just happened? See, that's because we have been freed from the power of sin. But I want you to know, old habits die hard. Right? He knows the Bible. And sometimes you're, you're in that spot, you're like, what am I doing here again? But I want you to know, when you fall off the horse, do not stay in the valley of shame and guilt. Don't you stay down there and let Satan condemn you and tell you about all the ways you're a screw up and all the ways that God is really angry with you. You pull yourself up and you say, yeah, thank you for saying that, but none of that is true. I am getting up and I am sprinting to the throne of grace. And he's like, why are you going there, Marv? Because there's mercy there. I'm going to God. Sometimes when we have gone back to the vomit, like my brother says, we are thinking that I can't go to God with this. That there's no, that I I can't believe I've done this thing again. I can't go and seek God's forgiveness. Yes, you can. 
There is mercy from God. And so, yes, we tell people you need to repent for the first time. But after we've taken that step of repentance, we live a life of being above reproach. And all that simply means is we keep repenting and getting the grace that is available to us every day and asking the Spirit, help me next time this temptation shows up to find the way of escape. There's always a way out, brothers and sisters. You listen to the Spirit of God. Our brother Jesus Christ is a truth teller, right? A couple messages ago I told you that Jesus tells us the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. And sometimes what he says hurts. Sometimes it's a surprising word, but it's a needed word because he cares about us. Anytime Jesus tells you something hard, I'm going to stop soon because I'm sweating. It's because he cares about you. He loves you. You should praise God that you have a Savior that never lies to you. You should praise God that you have a Savior that when you listen to him and repent, there's forgiveness and it saves you from death. Surprising word, but a needed word. I'm done. I'm sweating. Thank God for his word. Stand up. Let's stand and pray. Let's stand. Father, we give you praise for your word. God, we open up the scriptures and sometimes the things we, we see we're not expecting. I am sure the people who are standing in front of Jesus as he said all this might have had their heads blown back a couple times. They're expecting him to say a certain thing, but he says the needed thing. And so we give you praise, Lord God, that you are a God that does not lie to your creation. You tell us of our sinfulness. You tell us of the tragedies of life because this is a world broken by sin. But all of that is to wake us up to true reality. All of those things are to move us to a place where we run to your merciful hand, where we run to the throne of grace, where it says there's mercy and help in times of need. Father, we thank you for your honesty. Father, we thank you that the Spirit guided Luke to write down exactly what we needed to hear today in this text. We give you praise and glory. Help us, Lord, we pray, to live by what it says, knowing that life won't always get easier, but there's great reward when we follow you and trust you. Help us, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. For more resources or information about Hope Church, visit hopetorontonorth.com.